So Money episode 1016. Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst for Bankrate.com. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everybody. How are you? It's been a crazy, crazy week. Am I right? It's very touch and go. I hope everybody is safe, staying healthy. And I know a lot of you have many, many financial questions. This is a crazy time uh, for our country, for the world, health crisis, financial crisis. I want to answer your questions today. And I've got a very special guest. I'm going to bring him on the show shortly. His name is Greg McBride. He and I go way, way back. When I first started in journalism as a financial reporter, Greg was my go-to source. He's a certified financial analyst. He's chief financial analyst at bankrate.com. And for, gosh, for decades, he's been providing the media and consumers analysis and advice on personal finance. He's got over a quarter of a century worth of experience. Greg is the go-to expert. He's been everywhere, NBC, ABC, New York Times, Fox Business, Cheddar, Yahoo, and now So Money. I'm so grateful to have him on the show. He's going to answer our biggest questions that we have about, our biggest financial questions that we have stemming from this coronavirus outbreak. Things like, what should I be doing with my money, right? How do I save if I'm perhaps going to lose my job? Should I be putting more money into the market? Should I take money out of my 401k and save it because I don't have emergency savings? Should I be buying a house. Before we jump to Greg, let's go to iTunes and pick our reviewer of the week. We have 1,099 reviews as of today. Today's Thursday. I'm recording this for a Friday airing. So let's make it 1,100, a sweet 1100. But let's see who has left a recent review. We have on March 10th this week, Love the Podcast says Armore924. And he, she says, just found your podcast and I've been binge listening. We're going to be doing a lot of binge listening, I think, to podcasts over the next several weeks, months. I will be sure to have a lot of content for you, more content maybe uh, than usual. Armore924 says, I heard your interview in another podcast that I listen to weekly and then searched for you. I'm a physician. I love your insight and practical advice. Very relatable. It also has put me on to some others in financial planning and money management. Well, thank you so much. I would love to connect with you. And I'm curious which show you heard me on. You know, that is actually one of the biggest ways people find this podcast is podcast listeners are listening to a favorite show, they hear about me or I'm on the show and they come and find me. So I love being on people's podcasts. If you host a podcast, I'll come on. I think it's a great way to engage with new listeners. And if you don't talk about money normally on your podcast, even better, I'd love to come and bring on a topic that I think is much needed, but maybe a surprise and delight for your listeners. Armore924, please get in touch. You can email me, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. If you are on Instagram, I am too. You can go there and direct message me at farnoosh tarabi. But let me know you left the review and I will quickly send over a link so that we can schedule a time to chat. Thank you so much. All right, now here, let's go quickly to answering your mailbag questions and all the questions I know you have about the coronavirus and its impact on our personal finances. Greg McBride, welcome to the show. I'm so grateful to have you on 
Wish we were talking during better circumstances, but here we are. How's, how are you? I'm great, Farnoosh. It's great to talk with you again. People in our fields, this is a really busy time for us. And you've been doing some amazing work helping people understand, you know, the context to all of this. It's a scary time for a lot of people naturally. We're recording this on Thursday. This is airing on Friday. And last night the president gave his address. Right now we see the Dow is down seven and a half percent. What are your current feelings right now about what's happening in the market and the biggest advice you have for anybody who's scared? What we have is, you know, a health crisis first and foremost. And what we're seeing in financial markets and effectively the broader economy is going to be a reflection of that. Um, I think, you know, what what is unfolding now is that we are going to effectively hit the pause button on the economy in an effort to address the health side of this, prevent the spread of the virus. Um, and that hitting that pause button on the economy uh, that's going to bring about a downturn. I, I would say a, a recession would is all but assured at, at this point. Um, you know that's why you see financial markets reacting the way that they are. Uh, but financial markets recover, the economy will recover. It's you know, but this is a health crisis. You know, take take care of your health first and foremost. Financial markets will come back. The economy will rebound, and financial markets will come back much sooner and much faster than the broader economy. So, you know, when we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but, you know, you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines when that turnaround happens. Um, and it, so it, it's, it's important to maintain that long-term perspective now more than ever, tough as it may be. It is tough. And I'm getting questions from listeners and also family and friends texting me like, do I just pull out of the market for a while? Because here's the thing, and we have this question from a, a listener who writes in and you know, she's, I think, rightfully concerned because, Greg, she doesn't have a cash cushion. And we know that during any market, but particularly a downturn, your best defense, you know, health crisis aside, if you're, if you're vulnerable financially, having cash is your best defense. And so Megan says, I don't have much of an emergency fund, Farnu. She has about $600 in cash, $3,000 in her health savings account. She's got debt as well, and she's paying you know, very high minimums. So she's wondering, should she defer investing in retirement for a few months to stash some cash away? And it may seem um, un surprising for me to say this, but I feel like she should. And what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, again, I think this, you know, maybe the first time in history I've ever said that. But, <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, and, and the reason for this is, nothing helps you sleep better at night than knowing you've got money tucked away for that rainy day. Um, you know, what is, I think, good, she's got that money in that health savings account, which, you know, in the event of, say, you know, a, a quarantine or, or, or needing to undergo some testing, that may be money that may, you know, she may need to tap into as well. But that only having that $600 in, in, in cash, the stuff that's going to pay the bills, that's going to put groceries on the table, that is woefully in, inadequate, even under the best of circumstances. So yes, that's what needs to be addressed. And yeah, I don't, I don't typically advocate suspending retirement contributions. I don't, you know, typically advocate for contributing anything less than what it takes to maximize the employer match. But the fire she has to fight is to boost that savings uh, and do it pronto. The other things with regard to the debt, 
you know, a couple things she can do now. Look, if she has good credit, look for those low rate 0% balance transfer offers. Transfer some of that debt to lower rates. Um, not only does that buy her a window of time without interest, but it also help reduce, you know, make she can make the payments more manageable. Anything that she's having difficulty with or anticipates having difficulty with, don't run from it. Get out in front of it. Contact your your lender, your creditor, whoever, and explain the situation. Now more than ever, they've got programs to help people, um, and they're looking to mitigate losses as well, right? So I, I, there's there's very definitely a middle ground there. It pays to get out in front of it. Don't you know? Don't hide and hope things are going to get better. That's a really good reminder. You're suffering, but also corporations, banks, institutions, they also don't want to lose customers entirely. So calling them, being proactive and and basically being honest about the situation. Look, this is nobody's fault. And I remember during the last recession, my mother lost her job. I lost my job. I feel like everybody lost their jobs. But one of the the, the strategies was to call all of the places that you have recurring monthly bills, whether that's your, you know, your t- utility company, cable company, your gym, and saying, hey, I lost my job. Or, hey, you know, I'm worried about losing my job and I don't want to completely give up this membership or this subscription or, you know, working with you, but I have to save money what programs do you have? What sort of, you know, relief programs do you have to help me kind of tide over this, this crazy time? I mean, that's worth the conversation, right? That, that's, a fo- that's a phone call. Absolutely. And I think just from a thought process standpoint, take a look at your expenses. You know, if, there are, I mean, if you're in a situation where you need to boost savings, if you're in a situation where you're concerned about a job loss or an unpaid leave um, and you're just, you know, you're wondering, you know, how am I going to make the rent next month? I got this month taken care of. How am I going to do it next month? Those kind of things. Take a look at your expenses. Uh, identify areas where you could cut back now, you know, if you really need to conserve cash. And then identify areas where, okay, worst comes to worst, I get laid off, uh, you know, or I get quarantined and can't go to work. Something. What do you cut then? I think having that game plan does give you some peace of mind at a time when, you know, that peace of mind is in pretty short supply. Great. Okay. So now let's move on to interest rates because we did talk about, you know, calling up your lenders, maybe having them reduce their rates or going on to a 0% balance transfer card. Do you think that this low rate environment now, this extremely low rate environment, the Fed reducing rates, predicted to do it again, is going to stimulate the economy? Because if people don't have money to spend, (laughs) what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, put, cutting interest rates is pushing on a string at this point. Um, you know, they doing so just does nothing more than meet expectations of you know the broader market. I think from the Fed standpoint, I mean, and it's really in the weeds. But what what they're what they really have to do and have to focus on is make sure that uh, credit markets continue to function properly, that there's adequate credit and liquidity available so that markets don't seize up. That was the problem we had in 2008. That's the problem they have to to, to head off. And, you know, re- reducing interest rates, uh, you know, that's not going to make sick people well. Uh, you know, it's not going to help companies that have disrupted supply chains. Uh, and it's not going to get people that are, you know, concerned about, uh, contact with others, it's not going to get them to go to the mall, the restaurant, or a ball game. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you know, the push, the cutting interest rates, yes, that'll reduce interest rates a little bit, but let's be honest, all that's really doing is taking back 
some of the rate hikes that they had done 2016 and 2017. And just uh, behind the scenes, I'll tell you one thing. I'm currently rate shopping right now for a potential mortgage, although looks like we may not be buying a home for a while where my husband and I, it's like so touch and go, Greg. You know, every hour we're like, do we rent? Do we buy? We're currently renting. We had the intention of buying this spring. In talks with our lender, turns out interest rates, they're not dropping so rapidly uh, as far as mortgage mortgages go because the demand for mortgages and refis is so high that banks are artificially raising rates uh, so that they can temper the demand. Isn't that crazy? It's like... It's like lose-lose here, you know? I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll benefit from a low interest rate environment, but they're actually raising them a little bit so that they can get fewer people applying for mortgages. They they think it'll subside over the next couple of weeks so that they can meet capacity, but that was surprising to me. It's unprecedented. Um, you know, we have not seen this. We haven't seen rates this low. We haven't seen uh, this type of surge in demand um, into a, a, a lending pipeline that has such narrow capacity that lenders are resorting to steps like that. So, you know, I, I would say a couple things. Yes, I agree with, agree with everything you, you, you said. Um, I, I, you know, that we will get to a point once the initial wave of applications are, are able to get processed, once lenders have a little bit more capacity, that rates will more accurately reflect what the market, you know, should, should what the market says they should be. That that is coming, um, and and the other thing is, look, it does no good for a lender to post a rate of you know three percent or whatever if nobody can get it right. I mean, so uh, you know there are some that you know they got their applications in early, and you know they're going to be like the ones that get Super Bowl tickets, right? I mean, everybody's clamoring for them, but only the lucky few get them. Um, and so that I think that's what's going to happen on this first wave. But I mean, if, if interest rates stay at very low levels, which I expect that they will, mortgage rates are not going to be a barrier. They're going to be a a strong tailwind for buyers throughout 2020. Uh, It's just a matter of, uh, you know, I think waiting until the traffic congestion eases uh, and, and, you know, lenders are able to process loans and then further down the channel, appraisals can happen, title work can get done. I mean, you know, everybody, um, the demand is, is currently exceeding the supply. So even if, you know, getting the rate is one thing, but actually getting to the closing table in a reasonable period of time with that same rate, I think that's the the, the, the challenge. So, um, you know, but, but we're all in the same boat on that. This pending recession, as I mean, I think you're, you said you believe it's going to happen. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I was watching all the experts on TV last night talking about, you know, at least a 60, 70% chance this was going to happen anyway, right? Like we were poised for a, a major pullback. And do you think the coronavirus and the threat of that and the uncertainty around it is just basically accelerating it? Uh, well, I mean, from an economic standpoint, the fundamentals were and, and still are, you know, very solid. Um, so we're kind of starting from a good place in, in the sense and that we've got more. that's a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got more cushion um, than, you know, economies that were already, you know, sort of reeling to begin with. Um, but, you know, expansions don't die of old age. Um, so there's, you know, we're not immune from the business cycle. There was eventually going to be a recession, but it's not like there was a particular point on the calendar when it was going to come no matter what. Um, yes, this is, this is the catalyst that nobody saw coming and it's 
coming fast. Um, but, uh, you know, again, we're starting from a good uh, position. Perhaps that cushions the economic blow that we feel and also puts us in a position to rebound more quickly than, say, some of our counterparts overseas that, you know, don't have that same starting spot. What's your advice for anybody who feels as though their work will be threatened or is currently you know, furloughed or cannot come to work and therefore cannot make money? Um, we're talking a little bit about now perhaps uh, stimulus packages, but that's not concrete yet. So in the meantime, any advice for folks who feel as though their income could be threatened? Uh, yeah. And, you know, that's I mean, that's how recessions happen, right? Because some people lose their job, but everybody else thinks they're going to or worries that they will. And so they cut back on spending, too. Um, but that is the prudent move to take. If you are concerned, now is the time to work on shoring up the savings, paying off some debt. Uh, you know, if you can you know, refinance some debt at a lower rate, create some wiggle room in your monthly budget, take those preventative steps now to the extent that you, you possibly can. And as we were talking about a moment ago, if you anticipate problems meeting your monthly obligations, don't hide from it and don't wait until you're behind to act. Get out in front of it. That's when lenders have the most latitude to work with people uh, is, you know, when you're anticipating the problem, not when you've already fallen two payments behind. Hmm. A lot of people wondering, should I buy the dip? Um, it's very tempting. Perhaps they're already investing. They're already on some sort of investing regimen once a week, once every paycheck contributing to their 401k. But they're thinking maybe I should double down on stocks. What would you say to those people who have that kind of appetite? Well, that's the beauty of things like a 401k plan and other employer-sponsored plans that happen through payroll deduction is that every payday, you're automatically buying. And so when the market pulls back sharply as it has, you're getting assets on sale. You're getting a 20% better price now than you did a couple of paychecks ago. So, uh, you know, and that kind of happens automatically. It kind of does the dollar cost averaging for you, which is great. Um, and so, you know, people are definitely, you know, nervous or concerned. Um but it's very important, particularly with something like long-term savings for retirement, to stay the course. Don't mess with your, don't bail out of the market thinking you're either A, going to get back in later or, or just that you're never going to get back in. Don't do that. Don't make long-term decisions based on short-term events. Um, and then maintain those contributions. Now, if you've got additional money, uh, you know, you've got some dry powder, you're looking to invest, um, you know, maybe metering that out over time as opposed, you know, trying to pick one spot and putting everything to work at once. Um, let's be realistic. You're not going to catch the bottom. Um, so depending on how much you have and which positions you may be looking to add to, you know, maybe meter that out over time. But this sharp pullback and, you know, an accompanying economic downturn is going to reveal some tremendous bargains, uh, companies that have very solid fundamentals, you know, broad-based indexes like the S&P 500 or the total market index, you're going to be able to get them at much cheaper levels, you know, companies with good, solid fundamentals at a bargain price. So this is going to be a good buying opportunity for investors, um, but don't try to pinpoint the exact right moment and the embrace for the reality of we're probably not at the bottom yet. We probably have some more to go, but nobody knows when uh, or how soon we reach that point. What's the span that we could potentially be talking about? Are we talking a six-month downturn all the way up to like three years, uh, two years? What, what could make this worse, in other words? That's a health question. 
Um, and, you know, and we're all kind of, you know, you know, in, in an equal position of just sort of, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And, you know, we're kind of counting on others to, to you know, to, to inform us um, as they learn. So, I, you know, that ultimately is going to boil down to the health side of this. Uh, but uh, markets will rebound first. The economy will eventually rebound as well. Um, you know, this, this, you know, pause button that we're hitting on the economy, um, you know, at the time when things, you know, kind of start quote, getting back the normal, right. And we press the resume button. Um, yes, we will see economic activity coming back. People are start going out. They're going to start spending money. Yeah. I mean, you know, there will be an air of optimism and sort of a, an economic sigh of relief. When that happens, we just don't know because of the unknowns on the health side of this. Right. And that's a really great reminder that the stock market is usually a predictor of what is to come. We sometimes forget that because often we feel like it's reacting and it is. But in terms of timeline, you're right. It's the market that usually rebounds first. And so would love, since we're kind of talking about context and historical behavior. For those listeners who may not have personally experienced the downfall, the, the, the financial impact of the Great Recession because maybe they were still in high school or it's still in college, can you put things in perspective for us a little bit in terms of giving us some hope? Because that was a really devastating time. There's a lot that we can learn from history. What made that so damaging from a financial and economic perspective was that that was a financial crisis. This is not. This is a health crisis. Um, now, some people may listen to that and say that kind of sounds like, you know, saying, oh, the guy that, that rear-ended your car, don't worry, he wasn't drunk. He was just texting while driving. Like, well, what difference does it make? <laughs> My neck still hurts either way, right? right. So, uh, but I, I do think that is a very important distinction because uh, in an economic and financial crisis as we had during the, the, the Great Recession, uh, it's lo- it takes longer to recover from. You know, I mentioned a moment ago about how we're effectively hitting the pause button on the economy. But once the health situation is corralled or curtailed or more is known and we press the resume button, things get back to normal more quickly. Um, and that's not what we have seen you know, over the last 12 years. It's been a, a long recovery, but it's been a very slow one. And there are a lot of people that have only in the past couple of years really started to, to regain their financial footing from the financial crisis that have really started to benefit from the expansion. I, I you know, I don't see a repeat of that I, I, because of the, the fact that this is rooted on something that's much different than, than what we had seen back in 2008. Right. So the good news, perhaps let's, let's focus on some of the positives because it's very easy to just sort of feel like the sky is falling. Good news is the credit markets are still healthy, Right. They are. Um, I mean, it, it is an area worth watching. Um, and that's, again, I think that's sort of, you know, w- what the Fed's job number one is right now is to make sure that the functioning of the credit markets continues to happen and that credit continues to flow. Because if not, then it goes from bad to worse. But as long as, as, as that stays intact, then yes, that is an absolute positive and a huge difference now versus what we saw in 2008. I would also say that companies are taking some really helpful measures to uh, contain this where they're encouraging employees or requiring employees to work from home. They're taking physical events and making them virtual. So they're adapting, it seems, some more than others, but they're like the bigger companies, I think, that have large employee bases across the world are being pretty nimble and proactive, which is very 
very positive and very encouraging to see. Absolutely. And it bodes well for not only employment going forward, but you know, it bodes well for work-life balance. Even once things get back to normal, knowing that their workforce has the capability of working from home, it makes it a lot easier for you know parents that you know have to go pick up their kids after school and then work from home for the last few hours of the day, those kind of things, because of this precedent that we're setting now. Some employers have said we're going to continue to pay our workers, even though they may not be able to work. Thankfully, the internet still works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's, let's I don't want to jinx things, that. but <laughs> could be a lot worse, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I think the main point is, is you know, take care of your health first and foremost, because that's really at the, at the root of this. Financial markets recover, economies recover, your investment portfolio will recover. But, you know, we, we only get one shot with the health. So that's, that's the one to really focus on, on, on taking care of. Yeah, we've been talking a lot and for good reason about health preventative measures, financial measures, save your money. Don't worry about you know aggressively paying down debt right now. Pay the minimums if that's all you can do. Talk to your lenders about you know, reducing interest rates or refinancing. Anything else? Certainly, from the financial standpoint, you know the the, the high points of of what you've touched on there about you know boost some savings, pay down debt, do what you can to create a little bit of financial wiggle room um, so that you're on more solid footing regardless of what economic disruption may come. And then, you know, not only does that help you better weather it, but, you know, then you're better positioned uh, on the other side. And just a quick reminder, if you do lose your job, making sure that you apply, I remember this from the recession because so many people were losing their jobs at the same time. There was a backlog of people applying for uh, unemployment and COBRA and all the things. So just make sure that you understand those steps and you can, so that you can act quickly um, in the event that you need to have some um, government support. And it just kind of speaks to, once again to the importance of just having that savings cushion. It buys you a little bit of time. It, it helps, you know, smooth out peaks and valleys uh, for, you know, instances like, like you just cited. Greg, thank you so much. Really appreciate this. This is going to be really encouraging, very helpful. And as always, so nice to connect with you and hope to chat again soon. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, I look forward to doing so. 